What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Wednesday, August the 23rd, 2023. It is episode 169 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 168 prior. As always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, leave comments. Make sure the bell icon's lit up if you're over on YouTube so you get notified when new content has been uploaded to that channel, the In The Money Media channel, whether it's this show, whether it's Horse Players Happy Hour, whether it's the Players Pod, JK Plus One, you name it. Much, much more available out there on the In The Money Media YouTube channel. I know most of you listen on your phones or your tablets or any other variety of places, but there are a handful of you that are over on YouTube, so something to keep in mind if you are out and about or you're at home at your computer. That's what I have. Most of the stuff that I listen to, I pull it up on YouTube, just playing in the background, whether it's music or if I'm riding the bike here in the office, throw up a podcast, but I watch it as I'm listening. I'm a weirdo. Maybe other people do that as well. I don't know. Uh, this week's show is going to be primarily focused on the Travers, and for the first time in many, many moons, Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. Gave us a little bit of time. I appreciate it. I got to see Dan down at the Haskell at Monmouth about a month ago. Uh, we got to shoot the shit there for a bit. And it's been a while, and this is an important week. When we dive into the Travers, those seven horses, he doesn't give a pick, and understandably so. They just drew the race last night. I'm going to go through at the end of this show and give you my thoughts on the Travers. The seven horses, some value line ideas in terms of pricing, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. But first things first, before we get into the conversation with Dan, before we get into my thoughts on the Travers, we have words from a few of our friends. Let's begin with the Breeders' Cup. We're thrilled to be partnered again with the Breeders' Cup for 2023. This weekend features two win-and-you're-in races at Saratoga on Saturday. I can read, I promise. This weekend features two win-and-you're-in races on Saturday from Saratoga. Sometimes when you put the words out of order, it really makes life difficult if you're trying to read uh, there is the Resorts World Casino Sword Dancer for the Longines Turf and the Ballerina for the PNC Bank Philly and Mare Sprint. Also, the Pat O'Brien Stakes is being run at Del Mar on Saturday, a win and you're in for the big-ass fans' dirt mile. Additionally, all entry fees for the winner will be covered in a $10,000 award to the nominator. Be sure to stay tuned to In The Money Media for all your Breeders' Cup coverage. It's the Breeders' Cup Challenge Series. Win and you're in. There are many races this weekend that will have Breeders' Cup implications. Those just happen to be the win and you're in events. Also, our friends at Adelphi, Adelphi Racing Club. And instead of going through and doing what we've done in the past where, you know, we've got nice type, we've got a nice little read, uh, we're actually going to talk about some of their runners. Now, this is being recorded on Wednesday morning. They've got two entered in the second at Saratoga on Thursday. So by the time you listen to this, most of you anyway, the race will have probably come and gone. But the good news is you can always download your PPs, go back, take a look at some of these horses. And more specifically, these are two-year-olds. And we'll find out if they both end up getting in. One of them's on the also eligible list, the 1A in hard par, who's already started once at Saratoga, finished second on debut at 31-1. to But... I think the best part about these two-year-old races is even if you don't see this race or you're not someone that wants to bet on a number of first-time starters, there's no reason that you can't take what you see from that debut and then use it to your advantage going forward. So a horse like Clavinet, who Adelphi Racing Club 
has in this race, race number two at Saratoga on Thursday, four to one on the line. Tyler G's got the mount. Christophe Clement trains. This is a two-year-old gelding. So I think that's the other thing to keep in mind too. When you get involved in a partnership, and this, this is coming from someone that is completely naive to the whole situation. I'm just telling you what my thoughts would be. I would want to get involved with the gelding where I'm not thinking down the road that they're necessarily going to be, you know, stallion prospects because (laughs) guess what? They can't do that. But the idea is I want to have some fun. I want to be able to root on my horse, have them show up for the next five, six, seven years, as long as they're happy and healthy out there. And you know what? We can make some cash along the way as well. And when you've got a turf sprinter that is in the barn of Christophe Clements, and who knows, maybe they end up stretching him out in time. He's by Disco Partner. And we know that Disco Partner in general himself as a racehorse was much more on the shorter side, but he did run very well in some mile events throughout his career. He was primarily a turf sprinter, though. And you see on the bottom side of the pedigree, Sky Mesa. The dam was Sky Gazer. She didn't race, but you take a look and see what she has produced April Gaze is a horse that earned some gaudy speed figures, specifically on turf. Saratoga Treasure was a nice horse that won a stakes race on turf going short for David Donk's barn. That was at Aqueduct. So you've got plenty of pedigree in here to suggest that this is a runner that you're going to be able to see and root for for the foreseeable future. Now you take a look at the siblings. Wildcat Gaze, Towering Gaze, Fast Eddie E, Saratoga Gaze, Veterans Beach, mentioned Saratoga Treasure, and mentioned April Gaze. I mean, these are horses that started 15 times, 22 times, 27 times, 10 times, 25 times, 34 times, 34 times. I mean, if all goes well, you think you're going to have a runner that's going to be out there on the track for the next, I don't know, truthfully, I would say, hopefully for the better part of four or five years going forward. So that's the beauty of getting involved in partnerships, getting involved with a group like Adelphi Racing Club. You can sit there, you can root on your horses. Yes, they'll debut other places as well. But man, to have a horse debut at Saratoga, going out for top connections, looks like he's training well based on sort of the the pattern and laying things out. Maybe first time out, he doesn't get it done. But again, I would suggest keeping an eye on him going forward. But I will say, he's catching the field loaded with first-time starters. The only horses that have experience are the three Mithridates, Mithridates, I don't know how you pronounce that, three horse. The five, Price is Truth, another Clement runner, who debuted, showed a little bit of speed, got tired at the end. That they debuted against Hard Par, who was the other part of the coupled entry in here for Adelphi, who was on the outside looking in. Ray Handel trains. Katie Davis had them out in the debut. 31-1, to finishes second, only beaten by three lengths. Going five and a half. So you beat everybody else at a million to one. If that horse draws in, he's certainly one that you need to consider. He's by Hardspun, and he's out of a strategic mission mare. When you take a look at Maid on a Mission, Mom, look at some of her races on turf. She was one that could do a little bit more in terms of distance. You take a look at the family tree, the second dam, she's Imperial. More on the short side, didn't really do much on the track herself. But if you want to base what Mom did and what the only sib to date, Empty Envelope, who was a daughter of Bernardini, she's been a little bit better going longer. Hard Par would be one that I would think possibly longer is going to be better. Clavinet seems like a crack sprinter through and through. Hard Par wouldn't be surprised if down the road we can stretch out to two turns and maybe you end up seeing this one flourish a little bit more. But this is a good race. Race number two 
on Thursday, Adelphi Racing Club. They've got a number of horses. Um, if you want to make sure that you check out all the information available with these guys, uh, I think they do a great job. And certainly, you want to go through and make sure, and, and I'm going to just double-check and make sure I've got the correct addresses here. If you're looking to get involved with Adelphi Racing, these are the ways that you can contact the Adelphi Racing Club. Website, adelphiracing.com. Email, matt at adelphiracing.com. On social media, Instagram, you've got at Adelphi underscore racing. And on Twitter, at Adelphi Club. It is Adelphi Racing. This is not just a partnership. You guys are, or a syndicate, I should say, rather. This is a partnership. Your investors get involved, check in with these folks. They do good work. They've got top flight connections, and they've got top flight stock. And who knows? Maybe they're going to have a debut winner at Saratoga on Thursday afternoon in the second race. Now, let's shift our attention to the weekend. Oh, by the way, I I may have glossed over this. Let me just double check. I don't want to screw something up. I think they've got a couple of the runners coming up over the weekend. Uh, They do. They're going to enter two for Sunday. They're taking the entries on Thursday. Uh, Gem Mint 10, who will be running in the allowance race for New York Breads, going long on the grass. And Splashy, who is a runner, a three-year-old filly, three-year-olds and up, they'll be going long on grass. That is a New York bred maiden special way to fare. So there's much more to come from Adelphi Racing Club over the weekend. Speaking of the weekend, though, Saturday's a big day at Saratoga, and the headliner is the Travers. We had to call in the big guns for this one. Let's talk to Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum, get his thoughts on this race and some other things. Obviously, we talk baseball. Every time Elman's on, we talk about baseball. We have to. And then after that, I'll give you some thoughts on the Midsummer Derby. It's been a minute since Dan Elman has been on the pod from the Daily Racing Forum. The man, the myth, the legend, my old partner in crime. I got to catch up with you down at Monmouth a few weeks ago. It was good to see you again. How's everything? Doing great. It was great to see you at Monmouth. It was a pretty interesting edition of the Haskell, wouldn't you say? We were talking with uh, the folks uh, associated with Mage before the race, and they were kind of saying, well, we're not sure he's 100% fit. We'd like to see him make a good late run. If he wins, great. If not, we want a good showing. It'll prep him for the Travers, and they got what they wanted. They got exactly what they wanted. Ramiro Restrepo said, look, if he comes with a big run at the end, we'll be thrilled. The goal is the Travers, and sure enough, he came with a nice run, flattened out a bit. Here we are Saturday, but you brought up that Haskell, go rocket ride wins. And I think I'm not going to ask you for a pick. If anybody wants to see what Dan and Mike have to say, they can check out the Racing Forms YouTube channel to get the preview for that race. Uh, You know, it's a field of seven. I don't really know who else you could ask for other than maybe go rocket ride, I guess, Arabian night. But for the most part, this is the three-year-old crop that you want to talk about here. And not holding you to a pick, but when you go through the field, Forte, his big accolades, the Florida Derby, I guess, is a three-year-old. Obviously, he won the Breeders' Cup last year. But Archangelo, the Belmont, Tappet Trice, the Bluegrass, Mage, the Derby, National Treasure, the Preakness, Disarm, he finished well in the Derby. I guess he won the Matt win. And then Scotland, you know, he's going to need to prove himself, but his last win came in the Curlin. He beat Il Maricola, who came back and won the Smarty Jones yesterday at Parks with a 98 buyer. It's not the best group, but when I, is it fair to say that this is the most important Travers in terms of not just three-year-old picture, but then you take it a step further as far as the Breeders' Cup is concerned in a decade? 
Oh, I, I, I think it's a very important race, not only for the three-year-olds, but for the entire racing picture in general, as it leads up to the Breeders' Cup Classic, because we look at the older division, and why is Go Rocket Ride not here? Because it seems like there are easier pickings in the Pacific Classic against older horses. The older division right now, it's Cody's Wish, who isn't a mile-and-a-quarter horse. It's Elite Power, who isn't a mile-and-a-quarter horse. Who is it right now? Is it White Abario? Is he really the Breeders' Cup Classic favorite right now? I guess he is. I'm not sure if he wants to go a mile and a quarter. So this Travers is going to have a tremendous impact on the Breeders' Cup Classic. Now, who would you want right now going into the Travers? And again, I'm not making a pick. I haven't really looked at the PPs for this race. I think Forte right now is still the leader of the division. And you can say, well, he's the one horse that didn't win a Triple Crown race. But he didn't get his chance in the Derby, didn't get his chance in the Preakness, and in the Belmont off that long, long layoff, he ran really, really well. You could say that the Jim Dandy wasn't the most exciting performance from Forte. He did get it done, though, however, and showed his class. And I think if we're going to see the Forte that we saw from last year and early this year leading into the Derby, we might see it on Saturday. I think Mage is going to run very well also. Where do you stand on this group as a whole? I, I hate to do this. I feel like I have fallen into the trap of something I, I used to hate where you know, in the midst of what these horses are, they're continuing to develop, but we judge them for what they are at this point, And that's probably unfair. We won't really know what they are for another year or two, looking back in hindsight. But I, I made the analogy a couple of weeks ago. If you've got two quarterbacks and you're an NFL team, you don't really have one. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where if you've got a true quarterback, there's not even a discussion about it. This group to continue taking turns beating each other. Do you look at this group in a positive light or do you look at them and say, throw them up? They're going to come down in a different way every time they run. I don't think I've ever looked at this group in a positive light. I think Forte went into this year as the, the top dog. There was no doubt about that. They had to try and beat him. Uh, he never had a chance to prove himself in the Derby and Preakness. As you said, these sources have taken turns beating each other. Mage is very, very good. His Preakness was very, very disappointing. Uh, when National Treasure comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden becomes a classic winner, I think you have to question the, the ability of this entire crop. And that's no knock on National Treasure. He's a perfectly fine horse, but he's not going to be remembered 20 years from now as a superstar in racing. Uh, the only reason I think people are getting a little bit high on the three-year-olds is because, as we discussed, the older division is just lacking any sort of star power. Well, and that kind of leads me to two pieces. It, could you make the case that the real winner of Saturday's race, regardless of how the race unfolds, is Parks and the Pennsylvania Derby? Because regardless of who wins, you know, I guess Mage would be kind of the one where a Derby Travers double, that's going to be hard for a lot of people to, to go against. But Let's let's just say for haha's sake, either Disarm or Scotland win this race. And now everybody's got a grade one. Doesn't everybody have to line up at parks for the Pennsylvania Derby? I, I think you'll get one of two things. I think you'll get a very uh, a strong field for the Pennsylvania Derby, or you'll get several horses saying, listen, we're just going to take our one shot. And it's going to be in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And if we win that race, not only are we champion three-year-old, there's a very good likelihood we're Horse of the Year as well. Parks is going to be a big winner, I think, no matter what happens, because you'll probably get at least one or two of these horses in that race. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens on Saturday. Uh, Forte, uh, again, I think is coming into it really well. I think Mage is coming into it really well. If Arcangelo wins this race, all of a sudden he's the leader in the division. You win the Belmont, you win the Travers. Listen, the Belmont, is, I don't think is the Belmont it was when Big Red won it in 73, but still it carries a lot of weight as a third of the Triple Crown. Uh, and he all of a sudden, why can't he be sort of the late developing three-year-old that we've been waiting for? It just seems like 
That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the Arrogate to show up. The second division three-year-old that's all of a sudden going to catch the world on fire and, and, and dominate the rest of the year. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I'm just curious. The Breeders' Cup Classic. I, I think Forte right now is the leader in that sort of poll. Okay, I, I, I guess I could see that. You don't want to vote for the older horses and he might be the best three-year-old. What would you do, let's say, and this is my wacky idea for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's say she gets through things well on Friday. Doesn't Todd try nest? Probably. Yeah, I mean, especially if they have made it clear that they think she's a mile and a quarter horse through and through. And we saw what she did last year. And you kind of figured that that's kind of right in her wheelhouse. And actually, that's kind of where I was going to go into this from the classic standpoint. All right. You know, the three year olds, we've talked about them. We kind of know what they are. If you're looking for out, not outsiders, but outside the three year old group, you brought up White Abario, who I mean, Look, if if he runs back to the Whitney, he's probably just better than everyone. I've never thought that of him. I always thought he was a good horse. I never thought he was that. And the fact that we won't see him again until the Classic, based on what Rick Dutrow said, you know, I, I don't know if I love that, but it is what it is. You bring up Nest. Let's say Nest does what she's capable of. You know, does are you better off trying to go for the distaff and lock up older female or... Do you go for the classic? And if you win that race, your horse of the year, period, end of discussion. It depends on what Forte does, doesn't it? Probably, yeah, because they're both Forte, owned and trained I think, by. I think I think if Forte wins the Travers, I think they're going to set sail and try to win the two big ones. I think they're going to try to win the classic with uh, Forte and try to win the distaff with Nest. If Forte all of a sudden falls off a cliff and runs a stinker in the Travers, I think that opens things up. And I think they'd be very willing to run Nest against uh, older males. The The bottom line, though, is that Nest is not exactly a shoe-in either on, on Friday. Clarier is very, very good. Idiomatic, I think, is an up-and-coming horse in this division who might have a pace edge. I'm a huge Nest fan. Uh, I think that she is the star of that group. I think she's going to get through the personal ensign, but she's going to have to obviously move up on figures, even if you believe that the older classic division isn't very strong. You mentioned White Barrio. I mean, are you really scared of rattle and roll? He's going to go a mile and a quarter. Is he going right. to go a mile and a quarter fast enough to win the Breeders' Cup Classic? I don't know. It seems that Smile Happy is inactive right now. He's been injured, and that's going to take him probably out of the out off the trail and make him, uh, you know, a, a questionable contender for a race like the Classic. And what do you have on the West Coast? I mean, we've seen Stiletto Boy. We've seen, you know, the older horses out he there. Not, we've seen all these horses. They're not very exciting. I mean, does Skinner all of a sudden wake up and, and, and pop a big race? Gold Rocket Ride is a very interesting horse. The fact that he's not in the Travers and in the Pacific Classic, I think, is a very confident sign for Mandela. And I also think that he might be one of those late developing three-year-olds, you know, that, that might pop up at the right time. I wouldn't sleep on him. No, and I still wouldn't completely rule out Arabian Night. I mean, we talked about it after the Haskell that night, that all things considered... If, if you stripped away the fact that he was a ridiculous bet at the price that he went off at and things like that, he really didn't run a bad race. He was up part of the pace. He was wide around the first turn. And yes, he got tired, but to be expected, his first start in six, seven months, whatever it may have been. I had even thrown out that if Paddington had run well in the international, then maybe they'd be looking at dirt with him at a mile and a quarter. And lo and behold, he ends up losing most enough. who now I, I don't know if he would want dirt. And I don't know if John Gosden and Thady Gosden would do this. But it feels like he's not a mile and a half horse, and he's not a miler. A mile and a quarter is his game. The problem is we don't have a mile and a quarter turf race here for the Breeders' Cup. And if there's ever a year to do it, it might be this year. And I think they're going to be monitoring the situation very, very carefully in Europe. And I would not be surprised if there's at least one contender 
that will be trying dirt for the first time in the Breeders' Cup Classic, a legitimate group one horse on the turf where maybe the connections have someone already in the miler, or as you say, it's a tweener, not a miler, not a mile and a half horse. Take a shot. And it's happened before, albeit on the, the pro ride at Santa Anita. But it's not impossible, especially if you have a lot of question marks about the overall quality of these horses. I, I still, again, wouldn't sleep on horses like Go Rocket Ride. Forte and Mage have a lot of quality. The older horses have to figure something out. I really would be interested to see Ness try these horses. I know you've got a busy day ahead, and I want to leave you with this. I threw this out to Pete Fornital last week. Let's say things continue to be bizarre with the three-year-olds. The older horses don't really sort themselves out. And let's say in the classic, even if one of the, well, if one of the three-year-olds wins the classic, they're going to win horse of the year more likely than not. But let's say somebody kind of out of left field wins. And what if pretty mischievous goes and wins the distaff? Doesn't she have a horse of the year campaign? I think she does perhaps have a horse of the year campaign, although that test is probably going to work against her for various reasons. A, she's sure. the best horse, and B, just simply the circumstances surrounding that race. Uh, she's going to be unfortunately smeared by that. Uh, I think we shouldn't write Cody's wish off just yet. I, I think that if he comes back and he wins the Vosburgh and he wins the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile and something strange happens, he's had a very, very good year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's certainly in with the chance. I, it was such a poor performance for me to believe because I maybe he didn't want the distance, but I got to be honest, he was beat with a half mile to go. So part of me wonders, maybe he just didn't have his game that day. It could be anything. I think you always have to worry when a horse starts breaking slowly that maybe it's a sign that he's starting to get sour. And this has been an issue with this horse for a while now, and he's always had the talent to overcome it. I would be a little bit more forgiving with a horse that doesn't show up at Saratoga because the track just seems to be very deep. And it's been that way the last couple of years. And just maybe he didn't handle the track. I hate to sound like a trainer giving excuses for <laughs> a bad performance. Usually, if it looks like a skunk and it smells like a skunk, it's a skunk. But with a horse like Cody's Wish, who's been so remarkably consistent, you might want to give him an opportunity uh, and say, eh, maybe it was the track at Saratoga. But if Bill Mott doesn't want to move on to a mile and a quarter, I think he has serious doubts. I was going to say, reading the quotes the day after made me feel like he's pretty sold that this horse is not going to get out the distance. And it's a shame. He's a really talented horse. And like you say, he is certainly not out in terms of end of the year honors. Uh, the way we usually wrap these up, uh, we talk a little bit of baseball, and we probably shouldn't because both teams stink. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Both <laughs> teams stink, but one team stinks way worse than the other team. Yeah, and I mean, what? I mean, one is hot garbage. The other one is rotten garbage. I mean, they're neither of them are good. It's an embarrassment to be a Yankee fan <laughs> at this point. I think that if you take a reasoned and logical approach and are not clouded by fandom, you could see this coming a mile away. This is a team that is old. This is a team that has no left-handed power. This is a team with questionable pitching. And it's just built very poorly. And I think this is what happens when you decide to go completely down the analytics route. They love guys that hit the ball 95 miles per hour or harder. John Carlos Stanton, when he hits the ball, it's 95. But remember, they got Joey Gallo because when he hits the ball, man, it's 95 miles per hour or harder. Here's the problem. They don't hit it that often. <laughs> and that's why when you see the Yankees, they get the runner to a game. It's usually a solo homer. And then they're quiet for six, seven innings. 
They're not good. It's time to get the nerds out of the front office that are sitting there with their reams of data and they're calling Boone up and saying, ah, the guy's throwing a no-hitter for six innings. Take him out because obviously third time through the order, his ERA goes up three runs. Everyone is calling for, for Brian Cashman to be removed. Not a peep about Heim Bloom. How can you, like, how much leeway are we going to have here? If you didn't catch lightning in a bottle with Yoshida, this team is a disaster. You're absolutely right. And Yoshida, Seems bad. Yoshida's been a, a, a fine pickup, but the rest of this team has not been good at all. And the question is, at least maybe you have a farm system. The Yankees, I think, have a very overrated farm system. I mean, Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells, I think if you actually just looked at it objectively, they've been disappointments. And if they weren't disappointments, they'd be here by now. I don't think Everson Pereira right now is the answer. He's a good young player. He's not the answer right now. Bringing him up to fail, I think, is just a bad move. Let's let this team fall apart. Uh, you at least might have some future. I don't see how the Yankees have a future. A lot of people were asking me, well, why didn't they make trades? How could they make trades? They have nothing to offer. They have no one in the farm system to offer. You can't unload Josh Donaldson. You, you can throw him off a cliff. You can't unload him. <laughs> Every contract, these guys got $20 million. You're still paying Aaron Hicks $20 million. You're playing him to play for Baltimore. Great. I think Jacoby Ellsbury is still getting $20 million. I'm not sure. That's crazy talk. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't worn a uniform in what five years? He didn't wear a uniform when he was with us. That's true. <laughs> he was the most despised player in the Red Sox locker room. The Yankees yeah. like, ah, he'll be great for us. He was a mercenary. He went, he did his job for what, three years? Cashed his And checks, then and I think was he was it. a secret agent for you guys. <laughs> he, he was a player worse for us. <laughs> he forgot how to play ball. Well, no, they saw what happened with Johnny Damon. They said, well, it can happen again. We can take their center fielder and it'll work beautifully. The Yankees make great trades. The Frankie Montes trade is, is really, oh, dear. Uh, it's really been a wonderful trade. He's Carl Pavano, number two. Uh, Carlos Rodon, you know, you, you don't see these guys very often. Then you see him come onto the field for the first time on spring training. And you say, why are you letting the butcher across the street onto the field? He doesn't look like an athlete. He has nothing on the ball. I think he's hurt. Um, but I don't know. I mean, yesterday he pitched and, 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 you know, the line looks good. And then you see he had one strikeout in six innings and guys are diving all over the, the place. It's like he paid them half of his salary to, to keep things in the infield. It, it, everything is, everything is turned on its ear. The, the Yankees and Red Sox are, are oh. terrible, We're truly terrible. Gary Sanchez is back in the major leagues. Um, <laughs> and I tell you what, that game that we watched, I, it was the Red Sox Mets game that yeah. night that we were sitting there at the sports book at Monmouth Park. And the catcher missed second base by it had to be 15 feet. And I said, Dan, I have not thrown a baseball in probably 10 years. And I promise you, I promise you, I can make a better throw than that right now. But you that, can't, that sums it up. It doesn't matter, but you can't throw the ball maybe with the same zip 95 miles per hour that Gary said. He can throw it. He just can't get it to second base. He'll throw it over the guy's head. That's baseball now. It has it's, nothing to do with what you can do, your instincts. It doesn't matter your heart, your courage, your intestinal fortitude, if you will. <laughs> it's all about, can you hit the ball hard? Can you take a walk? I, I the, Let me tell you something. The guys that were picked last for wiffle ball in gym, they make it in the major leagues right now because they were too afraid to swing the bat. They can bunt. Well, they can take a walk. <laughs> all about getting on base. Thanks, Moneyball. Batting 210, but man, we walk all the time. Great. Listen, you're telling me with the Yankees starting Ben Rortvelt that they don't want Gary Sanchez right now? They might pay him $30 million to come back. Rob, Rob Refsnyder was batting cleanup for the Red Sox this year. <laughs> How old is he? He's 100 years old. He's 100 years old. And, and he was and, a platoon player. 
he was he was a platoon player. Couldn't make the Yankees, which isn't a good sign. Yeah, you're batting four at Fenway Park. What are we doing? I like, yeah. So it's it's not going well. The no. good news is baseball season is almost over. Correct. And we just put it away and just it just it's a horrible little secret to just put away. And and next year you hope that maybe there's some sort of shining light, but you have no expectations. Now we know what it's like after years of success. Yes. What it's like to be um, a Kansas City Royal fan or a Seattle Mariner fan. Yes. Now we know. A Colorado Rocky fan, a Pittsburgh Pirate. Now we know. Yes. Been been spoiled. Been spoiled for a long time. We've been spoiled. There are some good teams. If you want to be, you know, a bandwagoner, Arizona's a young team that probably, you know, kind of petered out a little bit now, but they're a team to watch because they're young and they've got some players. Baltimore, obviously, is a young team. They, Pittsburgh's they got some young, some young talent Pittsburgh's coming through the pipeline. The problem with that is, in the old days, before the multi, multi, multi-year, hundreds of hundreds of million-dollar contracts, these teams could build themselves up into contenders and make money, and they could also, you know, give the fans something to look forward to. Now, once these young players start playing well, they're going to go to the biggest dollar, whether it's yeah. Los Angeles whether it's New York, whether it's Boston, whether it's wherever. And the young t- the, these uh, second uh, market teams don't have a chance. Don Angelos is already like planting the seeds that yeah. all of the core guys for the Orioles are not going to be there. How, how can he? Uh, he just doesn't want to pay them. And I yeah. think that, that that's the deal. He doesn't want to pay. He doesn't understand what Georgie Steinbrenner at least understood. And that was this. Whether you liked the man or whether you didn't like him, he understood that the key to long-term profitability was putting on a competitive product year after year after year after year. And that meant you had to go after the best. His sons, I don't think, are that interested in that. They'll lock up one or two guys maybe that they think will put butts in the seats that won't. If your team's losing 90 games, it doesn't matter if you have Aaron Judge or not. You know, especially now when the, the dollar is stretched thin and you can do anything. Anything you want. You don't have to go to a ball game anymore, especially if it's not entertaining. It's all right. You're going to have a new new ace next year. You're going to have a new number two or three hitter, however they want to slot him. How, how is that going to they, they have to. They've got to how? do it. Oh, time. They have to do it. These people don't want to spend money. I think the Steinbrenner. 65 I think, home runs at Yankees. I, I think the, he doesn't want to play for the Yankees, first of all. I, I think he would not want to play for the Yankees if you gave him a billion dollars. I don't really? think I don't think he would want to play for the Yankees. I think he's very happy on the West Coast. And I think I, you know, I think more likely he'll stay where right where he is. Really? Well, I mean if they lose him, if they lose him and they lose Trout, who comes to watch them play? Well, no, they'll they'll burn the building down. So there you go. So okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the reality. I mean, it's my friends and I have talked about it. That for them to have two of the, let's say, I don't know, four to five best players in baseball for the past five years, even 10 years with Trout, if you want to go even farther, and to never even sniff the playoffs? You've got to have someone actually pitch. got to have someone to ball. And that's always been the problem for the Angels. They've always loaded their teams up with great hitting teams. It's very exciting to watch. And go back to the Tim Salmon days. Very, very exciting team. That nobody can pitch. Who was the last pitcher they had? Jared Weaver? Probably. Oh, yeah. And he was fine. He was fine. And then and you know you had a guy a guy or two that maybe would have one or two good years breakout years and would never would never pan out but it just it, that was secondary yeah. that was that was secondary for them and i just don't think you can build a team without any kind of parity you know round likes to say what does round like to say hitting wins games and lee likes to say pitching wins games yeah but you got to have a but both of those guys don't understand what to say you got to have both you got to have both 
You got to have both. You can't, <laughs> or at least a little bit of both. You can't have an electric pitching staff and not be able to play anyone and vice versa. You can't play beer league softball. It's not going to work. And what we've seen with the Yankees and the Red Sox is you got nothing, you're not going to win. Aaron Boone likes to say in the pregame, he breaks the record in every interview with the phrase, you know, which makes me wonder how he was a professional broadcaster before that. Every, <laughs> every question, if you want to play a good drinking game at home, uh, wait, <laughs> when Aaron Boone says, you know, take a shot, you'll be out before the press be conference. wrecked in five minutes. And he'll say, we got to play better. And I would say it's nice to play better. Let's say you have three 60-year-olds in the outfield in wheelchairs yeah. and, and a guy that can't, you know, on crutches at first base, and you have guys that just aren't very athletically inclined all over the field. You could say we could play better. They're going to say we're playing the best we can. And this is the, can't, can't do any better. Can't do any better. This is the best they can do. The other teams have to play better also. They have better That's players. Than you know. Uh Dan, thank you for the time. I know, again, you guys have got a bunch of stuff to record. You want to check out Dan. You want to check out Mike. Anybody else at the Racing Forum, the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel, anything else that we should be aware of? Yeah, we're, That's we're where everything lives. Uh, you know, listen. Uh, Maryland. Maryland, a big T we're at right now, Timonium. So I get a little bit of a break from the analysis, then right back at it at Pimlico. Some good stakes races coming up. I'll be covering all the Midlantic racing for DRF, whether it's recaps, previews, analyses, et cetera. Tremendous. Uh, we'll probably try to check in before Breeders' Cup. Get your, get your thoughts on a few things and see if uh, anybody has really taken the bull by the horns or if it just continues to be musical chairs over the next two months. Musical chairs works for me because at least there'll be good betting races. That's true. That I tell you what, that is the one thing that has been the big benefit of no one asserting themselves. Your favorite, I, I mean, look, if the morning line is accurate, I don't care if Forte is the most seven to five is crazy to take on him in that race. He Absolutely. may end up being seven to five, but he doesn't have that kind of edge on that field. No, he doesn't right now. No one has an edge on that field. The favorite right. in the baseball classic could be seven to two instead of seven to five. By the way, where's Angel of Empire? Angel of Empire is out. I think he's hurt or where they've decided they're finished for the rest of the year with him. That's what okay. I latest I got with Angel of Empire. Okay. Well, we'll see. Hopefully he comes back as a four-year-old and can develop a little bit. Dan? Thank you for the time. As always, we'll check in again in a couple months. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. All right, All right. So I've gone through. The PPs are not out. They drew the race on Tuesday. Post-position order. Forte, try it again. Forte, Archangelo, Tapatrice, Mage, National Treasure, Disarm, Scotland. That's the field for the Travers on Saturday. Morning lines, Forte 7-5, Archangelo 5-2, Tapatrice 12-1, Mage 4-1, National Treasure 8 Disarm 8, Scotland 12. I've gone through. My work's done. I have handicapped and I have assigned probability. In my opinion, for the seven runners for Saturday's race, I will give you the probabilities and the logic behind them. And then if you are still someone who wants a pick, and I'm going to put the pick up on TVG.com, over on FanDuel Racing, the TVG mobile app, whatever it may be. Uh, Forte is 7-5 to five on the line. I give him a 3-1 to one chance to win the race. I thought his Jim Dandy was fine. He broke much sharper with the blinkers on. I just don't totally trust him, and I think he's going to be way over bet. He's very good, but I don't think he's got a major edge on this field. I think he's good. I don't think he's a superstar. Not not right now, anyway. I just don't. Now, maybe it won't take a superstar performance to win this race, but given his likely price, he just won't offer any kind of value. So for me, he doesn't do anything for me. I wouldn't use him anywhere. Archangelo is 5-2 on the morning line. I made him 3-1. to one. So both he and Forte I have as the most likely winners, 24% chance of winning. 
I would prefer Archangelo of the two. And I think you might get that price as well. He may float a hair. I think Mage could come down a, a, just a shade. And Archangelo, I think you get every bit of the 5-2. to two, Maybe you get to 3-1. to one. I, you, know, you go back watch that Belmont. He is traveling like a winner every step of the way. Every step. And you look at the names in that race compared to this race. Forte was in there. Tapatrice was in there. National Treasure was in there. He was always moving like a winner. Yes, he got a good trip. But down the backside, he is pulling Javier's arms out of his sockets. This horse wants to go. He was early with the lead change at Belmont. I guess I'll be a little kinder. The figs are there. And to be fair, I haven't seen Thorograph. I'm just basing this off of the, the tape and the, the buyers. But I think Archangelo is, is a very good racehorse. And I expect him to run well on Saturday. So I made him 3-1. to one. Tapatrice is 12 on the line. I made him 12. Blinkers go on. Watch this be the race that he really steps up and, and jumps up in a big way with the equipment change. He's got a new rider as well. I, I you can have him. He just he's just not for me. If he wins, uh, I'll say okay, it's about time. But I just I'm not thrilled with him in a spot like this. Mage four to one on the morning line. I made him four to one as well. You know he ran well in the Haskell and everything like Dan talked about. You know we we talked to Ramiro earlier on in the day and he said we would love to win this race. But the goal is the Travers. If he comes with a run here in the Haskell, we're going to be thrilled. And whether it's fair or not, the thing that I keep going back to, if you go back to a pod that I did leading into the Haskell, the history of the Haskell to the Travers move is just not a good one. And that scares me a little bit. I think he's a very good horse. And I think he deserves to be among the contenders in here. I think he's probably the second choice when all is said and done. That's my gut feel. I'm just afraid of the Monmouth to Saratoga move. So Mage, 4-1, to one, I think the price is fair. He would not be my air quote selection in this race, though. National Treasure, 8-1 to one in the morning line. I made him 25-1. to one. And I know that probably sounds asinine because he's very likely to be on the lead. He's trained by Baffert, this, that, and the other. I thought he won a terrible Preakness. And yeah, he had to go pretty quick early on in the Belmont, but I just I just didn't think he ran very well. I don't I I've never liked him. I just don't think he is really of the elite. I think he's probably the C string in Baffert's barn behind both of the Arabian horses, Arabian Knight and Arabian Lion. And if he wins, great. I just don't I'm not terrified of him, and I wouldn't touch him at eight to one. I think that's too short. Disarm is another one. Blinkers go on. He's eight to one on the line. I made him thirty to one. Uh, he, you know, maybe the blinkers are going to wake him up and he's going to run a giant race. He's a good racehorse, but I feel like his training leading into the Kentucky Derby and that performance—I don't want to say that was his peak, but so far his his trajectory as a three-year-old, I've lost a little bit of the little bit of the juice for him. I'm, I'm not totally thrilled by this horse and if you're looking for an off the pace type i don't think he's the best so he doesn't do anything for me scotland is 12 to 1 on the morning line i made him 5 to 1 and he would be my pick in this race a few weeks ago probably a month and a half ago i would say somewhere thereabouts uh i was on a FanDuel tv shift todd shrupp was on as well we talked about the three-year-olds and i said i I like Scotland. I think he could be kind of the summer three-year-old. I'm not saying he's Arrowgate, but he could jump up in a big way and assert himself as possibly the best three-year-old of the entire lot. I fell in love with him on debut. I bet him in one of the 
contest down at Gulfstream Park when I was down there in January. I had a big double into him. He won on debut. He's done nothing but run good races. And then they stretched him out in the curling. And I know he was on the front end. And it was a pretty comfy lead, all things considered. But I love the way that he finished. And now you look at it again. Il Miracolo, who was 15-1 to that day. Well, he came back and won the Smarty Jones yesterday with a 98 buyer. And he was handled by this horse pretty comfortably. It sounds like he's training forwardly. And if you draw this race up on paper from a pace standpoint, National Treasure goes. Scotland is either off of his flank or contending the lead. And then you've probably got Archangelo just in behind. Then you've got the mages of the world, the Fortes, you know, that bunch. Doesn't Scotland work out the ideal trip in here? He either makes the front or he sits just off National Treasure. And if you're like me and you don't think much of National Treasure, you're going to get first run. And you're going to get the price. I make him 5-1. to one, 17% chance to win this race. I think that's fair. I think you're going to get every bit of that. You might get... I don't know if he's going to go off at 12. I could see him 9, 10, somewhere thereabouts. I like Scotland. I'm picking him and I'm going to bet him to win the Travers at Saratoga. Why would this race all of a sudden be any different? This entire year, the three-year-olds just one after the other, after the other, after the other. They just take turns beating each other. I think it's going to happen again on Saturday. I think Scotland wins the Midsummer Derby, the Travers at Saratoga. I would bet him at 5-1 to one or better. Let me know your thoughts about the Travers or anything Ilman and I chatted about. Beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. As always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, yada, yada, yada. You know the drill. Uh, FanDuel TV, I will be on, well, you're listening to this too late, but uh, I will be on Thursday night and Friday night this week. Next week, I'm only on Tuesday in the morning with Dubs Anderson, noon Eastern. And then I have a travel day at the end of the week. And then I am off to Kentucky Downs. Getting ready to head down there, take in some fantastic betting opportunities down there at Kentucky Downs. Uh, looking forward to getting back down there. It's been a couple of years. And then, yeah, the, the true road trips begin after that. Got a Woodbine trip in there, going on vacation to Arizona. Uh, and then I've got Keeneland. And then we've got Breeders' Cup. And then we've got Churchill Downs. And then I am back down south to Gulfstream. So a lot to come, but I can't wait for this weekend. Can't wait to see how everything shakes down with these three-year-olds in the Travers. As always, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 169 of the Matt Bernier Show.